Hello and welcome to another episode of Radio Oedipus, the podcast all about the culture of beer. And I'm your host, Danny Walker. On today's show, I was joined by Sander Nadevain, the co-founder and head brewer here at Oedipus. My guests are Elena X and Alicia Agawal. Together they run Broad Bakaday X, a local bakery. We dive into their craft and make some really interesting comparisons with beer making. We also discuss a beer by Frontal and Frost Beer Works. I call Rob Alpenard to find out what's in his fridge. And of course, there's the quiz. We're now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other major podcast listening services. And you'll find more information about that on our website, buddypurse.com forward slash radio. But for now, enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Radio Oedipus. Happy to be joined by Sander Nadevain again. How are you doing Hello. today, Sander? Yeah, all good. Yeah. Nice, good. Also with me today is Alina and Alicia, two local bakers. Uh, how are you both doing today? Very well, thank you. Good, good. Very nice to be here. All right, nice. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll discuss a little bit more with you guys later about what you do. But first, let's talk about beer. Sure. All right. So I the love beer, it. yeah. Don't we both? So, <laughs> don't we all? Don't we all? Yeah, that's why we're listening, right? Right. <laughs> um, so let's. The beer I've brought for us to talk about today is by Frontal Brewery. Yeah, crack it open. Crack it open on the mic. Yeah. yeah. Ah. Nice, Alina. If you want to grab one of the cans as well, that would be. Uh, oh, yeah. Let's get two cans going on as well. As well. Oh. oh shit. Wet my pants here. Oh shit! <laughs> we have an explosive can. <laughs> All right, thank you very much, Sander. So the beer, yeah, is by Frontal Brewery and Frostworks. Oh, sorry, Frost Beer Works, uh, who are a U.S. brewery. Do you know much about them? I know we know a bit about Frontal. Yeah, no, I had to look it up to be honest. Uh, it's a brewery from uh, Vermont. Uh, New England, United States, uh, oh, okay. where uh, uh, a new style of IPAs was born, which usually is much more hazy than the the, the, the somewhat more classic West Coast IPAs, and um, yeah, that that were clear uh, most of the times. I think this whole movement started with breweries like um, Alchemist, Williams, uh, of course, also um, Farmhouse Brewery. Come on, it comes back to me in a minute. Uh, Sean Hill, Hill Farmstead, yeah. Okay, Hill nice. Farmstead, yeah. yeah. Well done. <laughs> um, and there, there, the 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 thing that set it apart was that it, it yeah it paired hazy and probably also because of the yeast they used and the yeast uh, often had um, also a lot of fruity flavors that really goes well with those fruit forward hop varieties so in the past years there have been a lot of new hop varieties coming up and i think that started with the classic new uh, ipa styles that actually come from the west coast of the us but this transferred also to the east coast where they did something new with uh, all those new hop varieties that really show tropical fruit flavors apart from the citrus flavors that you find often in hops um, so yeah, and Citra is a really famous hop variety. 
Uh, and yeah, they made it really something new, focusing less on bitterness and more of the juicy, fruity characteristics of the hops. And uh, some some of them are also more on the sweeter side. Mm-hmm. A lot of double IPAs um, uh, came up came up uh, also. Which is also in this, this style. Right? This yeah, is exactly. a New England deeper. Yeah. Any deeper. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's spread over the world and it's one of the most popular IPA or branches in the IPA style, I would say, uh, these days. And you see a lot of them like, really also um, got famous in, in um, Great Britain. And now in the, in the Netherlands, there's also a couple of breweries that are really killing it. And uh, I think Fontaal is one of them. Uh, also this one. Uh, it's on the la- listed on the label. Has uh, quite some fancy new hop varieties. Mosaic is a yeah. bit older already, or a couple of years old, but also an unnamed hop variety that's uh, HBC six nine two. I remember actually, I uh, was once at a trip to Yakima to to select also hops or or sniff and and yeah, and yeah. Uh, check out new hop varieties. And I remember having this one too. And it doesn't have a name yet, but it's a sort of still. A variety that they're testing out mm-hmm. and i really remember it to be a bit resinous a bit um, uh, uh, yeah resin from um, pine like uh, resinous and uh, also a bit bubble gummy uh, oh really uh, yeah yeah and really yeah really uh, unique flavor i think the parent is also sabro which to me also comes close to srachier so a hop that can also display a bit of coconut flavors that we use in monolith also so it has a bit of a relation to that i mean a very unique hop variety and azaka is also in this one so are you keen to try and use this unnamed hop variety or have we have we used it uh, no, 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 no 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 not yet no i uh, actually l- the past years we haven't tried as much of the new hop varieties that are coming out and i'm yeah i'm looking forward to do that you know cool. I, I think uh in Sort of simple beers can be cool to 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 also make single hop beers where mm. you try to showcase just a single hop variety and those yeah, yeah. all those new varieties I think allow you to to really create new exciting flavors with just those new hop varieties that are coming out. Yeah, I think Azaka that's also a fairly new variety. It's a couple of years old already, but also very much tropical fruit flavor forward. Yeah, and I think true to the. New England style. This is fermented with a uh, 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 Y yeast thirteen eighteen. That's a yeast strain. I think from an English brewer doesn't it? Ten, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't flocculate well, so it leaves. There's some yeast in the beer, making it hazy, making mm. some fruity flavors like the yeast for or one of the yeasts for New England IPAs. And then cool. But what do we think? So what do you on the on the aroma? Yeah. It's quite. I told you everything, yeah, but like you re- should taste in this beer. Yeah. But what do you, do you <laughs> yeah, actually what do you find think? anything back of this? Or well, definitely the the fruitiness, like the tropical fruit, is like the first thing that like yeah. you smell it so extremely yeah, yeah. clear. So yeah, yeah that's definitely yeah, new to me as well. Smells like mango. Mango, eh? yeah, 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 yeah. I think mosaic can do that, but also the the new hop variety mm. and Azaka as well. Yeah. When you talk about new hop varieties, is it like a like dark? crossbred or like yeah okay. yeah there are all these breeding programs okay. where they uh yeah try to yeah crossbreed and and yeah it's it's, it's a really uh, long and intense process to make new varieties where you're looking for of course flavor aspects yeah. but also yield and uh, disease resistance mm-hmm. and when they ripen or when they're ready for harvest you know all, everything has to be right yeah. and they so it's like eight years or so from from the crossing to 
actually having a final commercially available product. Yeah. It's really, uh, yeah, quite intense. But it's cool. And it's really taken uh, this whole craft beer movement where small brewers are focusing on hop varieties. It really took off, you know, and uh, a lot of new varieties have been coming out and still ongoing. And uh, there's a lot of these breweries that are making beers like this that yeah. really want to s stand out by using all of these new hops. So, uh, yeah, that, that drives it always forward. And uh, it's interesting because uh, in, as a baker, I see a lot of people looking back, like looking for older grains, for example. But you feel like in beer making, it's more looking at like new varieties? Or? Uh, it happens also. Mm. It happens also. Um, it's maybe a different branch of beer, a different way of beer making. And I think you see nowadays the, the beer community maturing a bit more that uh, you have breweries that look back more and you have yeah. breweries looking ahead more. Mm. And there's, I think, what this whole craft beer thing in the U.S. really um, allowed brewers to really push boundaries and looking for the extremes and forward, 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 super progressive. Uh, but there's also a counter movement going on right now. Like, okay, we had that. We saw the extremes. And, yeah. okay, what's next? Maybe have a bit more uh, harmonious uh, beers or flavors and not so much the extremes. Maybe looking back at history more. And things also where we are as a brewery to, you know, learn from what happened in the past. Always have the also the ambition to move things forward. But yeah, there, you know, that's not. Yeah, there's some beautiful things made made in the past, and I think we we can really learn from that. Whether it's grain varieties, but also or, or maybe hop varieties, or also old brewing techniques that yeah. can uh, really be inspiring, or really the start of something new that you can make your own. Uh, so a lot of it is going on at the same time. I think it's not just about the past in, no. in beer or, yeah. or about the future yeah, exactly. either. Yeah. It's like a combination. Yeah. 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 Frontal, one of those breweries that are, all, uh, that are kind of doing that, that are trying to perfect like a, a new England IPA style or trying to find really hoppy <laughs> forward beers. Yeah, I think so. Usually when I speak to Ruhr, I know him well, the founder and I think also head brewer of this brewery. They're at from Breda, uh, a bit in the south of the Netherlands. And he had this also this series of uh, dipas with versions where they tried to perfect it. I'm not sure they're ever ready, you know, because or also my experience is if you're fine-tuning a beer, it's never done. <laughs> you know, there's mm. always something. And, yeah, sure. and also with, you know, maybe if you have it one year, and the next crop of citra the next year, uh, uh, like an important hop variety is slightly different. You, yeah. you, you can keep on adjusting. And that's also really cool, I guess. Uh, but this is definitely a focus. They have also other beer styles. Also yeah. more traditional, a bit, a triple, um, yeah. pale ales. Uh, but I think this is, yeah, what I've been drinking lately from them is also because I know his enthusiasm uh, for this style and uh, the effort they put into it and to get this beer right. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is the stuff I uh, I seek out from them. Do you like Do you like it? I mean, this beer particularly. Yeah. 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 It's maybe it has a bit also. What I get is a bit of the woody coconutty, oh, almost yeah? almost like if it was in an oak barrel. Oh really? Almost vanilla coconut. I get quite a lot of like apricot, like a yeah like oh, summer yeah. apricot. Yeah, but behind thing, that but there's something, and that's or almost a bit what certain tea varieties also can have that they can. We were mm. talking about the milky oolong from Leave Your Sword before. That's so much yellow stone fruit forward, and that's just the tea, you know? Yeah, I suppose it is a little bit dry at the end kind of thing, which is kind of very much what I've tasted in that kombucha. Yeah, but I think this is perfect example of the style. You know, yeah. New England, um, it has 
is not so bitter, you know. There's there's a thick mouthfeel uh, round, uh, lots mm-hmm. of fruits, uh, really simple mm-hmm. or easy drinking. Maybe a bit too easy for the for alcohol their... percentage, yeah. And mm-hmm. but I think that's yeah, exactly what they want to do with yeah, it. Yeah, eight point eight point five percent. Yeah, that's exactly what yeah. what this beer should be about, I guess. Just definitely. sort of alcoholic fruit juice, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know. Definitely. And um, but I like the the I like it, it stands out to me for me a bit. It's not just this. Some of these uh, deepas can be maybe a bit too too thick or too sticky because it lacks bitterness. It can become mm. a bit uh, of a, um, yeah, <laughs> in Dutch I say plakbek, you know, a bit sticky, yeah. sticky mouth. Um, and this, and maybe it's also because of the sort of woody, herbal, tea-like characteristics that I think are from this new hop variety that I uh, uh, tried also before, but I never brewed with. So I'm not sure if it's that. But th- yeah, it stands out for me a bit. And uh, cool. yeah, I like that. I did some research on this beer and I know that they've done a lot, uh, but I couldn't find a conclusive answer. But they've done a lot of different collaborations like this recently. Um, and partic- and I also had not heard of the Vermont Brewery. No. Nope. So I just wonder if maybe they're collaborating with people that maybe inspire them at the moment are doing interesting things in quite further afield. Um, I don't know, but they've got quite some interesting beers. I know there's quite a lot of, they've got their own, own stand at the moment in the, in the Sturk in the West all right. ever with all different cans and everything. So maybe this is something they've been doing this year or I've maybe just cause I've bought this beer. I've noticed it. I, who knows, but I don't know. They're, they're making it really, really good. Yeah, yeah, it happens a lot in uh, craft sure. beer, right? Collaborations where breweries work together to create something new. And yeah. sometimes it's really just a brewery visiting for a festival or yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. reason coming by mm-hmm. and looking for f- breweries that he's familiar with and uh, yeah. hang out a day at the brewery having fun and making a beer uh, together. And yeah. Uh, it happens think, a lot. Do you think this is maybe like an ode to kind of a bit of a purist vibe of like, yeah, we really want to make a, the New England ipa so let's see who's yeah, making uh, really interesting could be could be yeah could be. i think what i uh i looked it up and and i think this brewery uh frost beer works only makes ipas you know oh yeah uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah or almost not all of it but uh, if i looked at their uh, menu or beer styles that they had on offer it was 90 percent yeah <laughs> so, yeah nice yeah. there's something about that though you know like you know what you like and you just keep working at it and perfect it now and i think that's also what i mentioned just now that I think it's good as the beer world is maturing that people are finding their their way of beer making. You know, mm. it's not just we all do a bit of yeah. everything, but so, yeah, people focus more. And I think that's resulting in better beer and people understanding what they're doing. Mm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. We do it our way. Frontal does it their way. Frost Beer Works does it their way. And it's all different. For me, I think it's quite balanced in that uh, what I recognize in a lot of uh, double IPAs, let's say, is something that I would call like a hot burn, mm-hmm. you know, when it's really, really hoppy to me and there's like this dry aftertaste, but it doesn't have any of that to me anyway. So yeah. I would say it's quite balanced. Yeah. 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 yeah and not the stringent or harsh in the end or anything. Yeah. And there must be a lot of hops uh, in this beer if you get it so aromatic and so much Thick. fruit flavors from yeah, the hops. Yeah, yeah. And that's a risk if you make that, that you don't get all those hops, like the small particles, if they end up in the beer, then you then it can become astringent and that's yeah. uh, something that's not so agreeable but uh, they uh, got it out and uh, really smooth uh, smooth yeah. drink yeah good beer yeah, really good for sure 
So shout out to uh, Frontal. Do you, do you girls, do you enjoy it? Is this the first time you've had a New England IPA or? That you're aware you sure? of? <laughs> that you know of, yeah. yeah. I mean, no, I, I've tasted New England IPAs before. Yeah. Um, in general, I don't really like IPAs and their derivatives. I tend yeah. not to because I find them a little too too hoppy for me. Okay. But I have to say that, like you pointed out, this is really nice and smooth and it's quite fruity. Yeah. Uh, which is nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is it's a really interesting beer and I haven't come across this brewery before either. So it's good to check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think they're good. opening also, um, or they su- were supposed to open as um, a place in Breda. Uh, but yeah, I'm not sure what the status is, but at their brewery, they, that you can try their beers and uh, mm. uh, yeah. But uh, like uh, Danny said, in Sterk in uh, Amsterdam West, uh, it should be available. Yeah, yeah you'll find them uh, at most beer shops. Yeah, to be honest, uh, yeah. I know that they do a lot of beer festivals w- as well, which I I would be seeing them at some of them at the moment if it wasn't for the current situation. But yeah. shout out to those guys. Um, keep it up. Keep it up. <laughs> Just had a thought, Sandra. It really is like the polar opposite uh, kind of flavor of beer that we had last week, right? Oh, yeah. Because that was like, to me, I've, I've already finished my glass. And to me, I, we, I was really nursing that one all the way through. <laughs> but thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was really nursing uh, that sour bear all the way all the way through the show last year, which was uh, last week, which was also delicious. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, this is way sweeter compared yeah, to that one. Uh, yeah. yeah, different beer, All different right. style. Yeah. Shout out to Frontal, shout out to uh, Frost Beer Works. Delicious beer, thank you very much. All right. Okay, so now we're going to move forward and chat to our two guests, Aelina and Alicia from Bakarai X, which is a local bakery for us, us here in Amsterdam North. Um, so yeah, we're going to dive into that. We're going to talk about your bakery. We're going to talk about being a baker and all stuff like that. So uh, just want to talk a little bit about how you got into being uh, bakers. Did Aelina, did you work in a restaurant? Uh, I, I heard that you worked as a restaurant in a restaurant making bread. Is that your kind of history, or? Uh, yeah, I was working in a restaurant as a cook actually. As a cook, and, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. At the moment, I was working in Paris in a restaurant, oh, and yeah? we used to get this bread from a local bakery, like a few blocks down. And uh, that's actually how I got like really interested in bread because it was like the most amazing thing. And uh, yeah, that's how it happened. So it was like the French uh, French bakeries that got that was yeah, your inspiration. Exactly. Yeah. Oh nice. Well yeah. I can understand that. Yeah. <laughs> so what was the what was the big step in wanting to start your own bakery? Wow, that was, yeah, that went quick. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. From like uh, yeah, how I, um well, after I tasted that that bread, like I was working in the kitchen and 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 really quickly after that I changed to baking. So I was working okay. in a few bakeries, like first in France and then in Belgium. Worked there for a few years. And after yeah, I've been working in bakeries for a few years. I really felt like uh, I learned a lot and I really wanted to also create my own place and like a community around me so yeah i decided uh, to go back to amsterdam and uh, i think we have uh, a culture of eating a lot of bread in holland but sometimes maybe the bread isn't always of a very good quality so i thought it was really nice like uh, in a country where bread is such a staple food to make a place where people can eat really nice bread so yeah, yeah that was like a logical step actually yeah for sure yeah nice 
And how much has the bakery kind of developed since your original plans? Well, we started like one and a half years or two years ago. And uh, in the beginning, I thought, oh, I want to have a really tiny bakery. I'll do everything by myself. I'll bake the bread. <laughs> I'll sell it. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think uh, that's how I started. And uh, I think quickly I realized that that wasn't really uh, the ideal situation. And uh, slowly people started to join, like Alicia, for example, and um, some more people now. And uh, and. So I think that was one of the big uh, development, actually, that uh, that we were becoming more people. And it was actually, I realized how nice it is and how additional value it is to be with more people. So that's definitely one of the things that uh, grew. And also, yeah, it started with like just a few breads and like we definitely like... Uh, widened the range of products yeah. and we also just recently like opened a shop next door like so uh, yeah, when yeah. we began we had like a really tiny bakery and the shop was like in the front so you could just walk in and buy your bread there and it was super nice and then at some point it got like kind of crowded so we moved the shop to the back of the bakery so people had to walk through the bakery <laughs> go to the back and buy the bread there and then also at some point it got a bit crowded and uh, we had the opportunity to rent the place next door. So we have our shop there now. So yeah. that, that's also a big development. And I think it's actually also really nice because uh, it's turning also more in a shop into a shop more than just only a bakery. Right. Yeah. Which I think is really great because we are really trying to use it as a place to to also showcase other products of people we we like and who have amazing products from around for sure and uh like really also do other things like edu educational things so uh, yeah it's grown actually a lot like <laughs> yeah do you have a good relationship with other kind of uh makers in the area yeah definitely like uh, we sell a lot of products from like for example the dairy farm like in zunderdorp yeah by amsterdam but also the products like we use in the breads we we try to really know who who produces it and yeah. like maintain a good relationship with them and it's actually really nice also for example friends of mine they have a farm in Groningen which is in the north of uh, the Netherlands yeah I mean you all know that obviously <laughs> maybe the listeners um, too <laughs> yeah. um, so they grow for example this pea and it's like this really special pea that was almost extinct and uh, they got like this like 10 10 of the peas and they started like regrowing it and now they have a few hectares and like mm -hmm. uh, we also like sell the peas for example in the shop and it's really nice because like once every two months for example uh, they come and they bring the peas and they also bring some chickens and some apple juice they make and they like they bring it and then everyone in the bakery knows them and everybody loves them and it's like really nice so i think it's actually a really big part of our bakery to to have these relationships yeah for sure and uh, do your customers respond to that? Is that what kind of adds to the atmosphere of the shop as well? This idea of community, people coming in, supplying your shop with uh, interesting things. And then also your customers. Have you noticed that everyone's buying these peas? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And we also, some, for example, in the beginning, one time uh, they were also there to sell the, sell the products themselves, the farmers. And I think people still remember. So they still know, like, who is the, the farmer who grows it. So it definitely adds to that. And uh yeah, we always uh, take a lot of care to, to to tell the story of the products, like also of the bread, like what's in the bread and who mm -hmm. grew, grew it, but also of the other products. And I think we really try to to take a lot of time for that, like the, the people who are in the shop also. And I think this really contributes to, to people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Really like feeling a connection to the product. Yeah, cool. 
Sorry. And how, how important is the quality of the ingredients that you use in your bread? Well, I think it's the most important thing, actually. Like, uh, well, obviously, bread is such a simple product in a way. Like, there's only, like, three ingredients, basically. So, so yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, but, like, in all food, right? I mean, yeah, for sure. if the ingredients is good, like, yeah, it can be a, quite a simple product. and uh, But it has to be good from the base. How do you select them? The products. Yeah, like grains or... Yeah, so, well, we select... First of all, like we try to know who who grows the grain. It's, mm-hmm. it's not always possible, but we really take a lot of care in it to know also the person who mills it, because also that's also obviously a lot of uh, a big part in uh, the quality, because you can have a really nice grain, but if it isn't milled in the, the way you want, then it's also not uh, good. Um, we really just try to see what's what's being grown. Like we really try to focus on getting products from Holland and, and Germany, for example, mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit further, but like really as close by as we can so that we also have the opportunity to build those relations and to see who grows it and how they grow it. Yeah. And so as local as possible, uh, organic also necessarily or always or not so, or flavor also first or yeah well so it, it is al- always actually organic but <coughs> uh, the flavor definitely obviously is, is very important so always an interesting question does it have to be organic yeah, yeah. it's also just a label right exactly yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. we try to find out who grows it and how they do it and yeah. that's more important than whether it is organic yeah not. sometimes yeah non-organic labels producers can work way more sustainable yeah yeah and um sorry if i may uh have you yeah have you ever considered also growing your own grain yeah that's actually in the beginning really what i wanted and then uh, i actually (laughs) went to biodynamic farming school even oh no and then i realized maybe it's uh, a different uh it's a branch of its own or business on its own yeah Yeah, yeah. uh, but not just also because we, we're also thinking about uh, hopefully starting a, this farm brewery once yeah. where yeah. I'd like to also understand how grains grow yeah. uh, here in Amsterdam yeah. on the Polderklei, you know, exactly. and, and hops also. We have these yeah. projects uh, in my Stadstown in the mm-hmm. West where we grow some hops and it's different varieties than what we just tasted in this uh, double IPA. Uh, but I'd like to, to, to see how it works. And yeah. it's a small plot. We can hopefully make another yeah. brew this year, one brew out of hundreds that we do mm-hmm. every year uh, but it hopefully gives me a bit of insight in what a hop farmer's mind is like yeah. you know what he's paying attention to how you can manipulate exactly. the 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 plant that you grow into something that you can use as a brewer or a baker yeah but yeah then maybe you can have a row of uh, wheat or a couple of wheat varieties or some other grains yeah. th- that you can understand more or, yeah. and have a more uh, leveled conversation with the farmer that yeah. you're actually going to get your bulk uh, supply from. Well, and that's ex- exactly why I did that school. And I, yeah. I mean, I did finish it. So I did nice. learn a lot. And I, and actually, uh, some of the grains we are using currently in the bakery are grown by, by farmers where I staged during my school. Oh, yeah? So it is. Uh, cool. And definitely, it's it's so important to know how, how your products is grown. And it's definitely, I think, an additional value. And yeah. it makes me for sure much more capable of having that conversation with the yeah. farmer. So I'm super happy that I did it. But I also respected so much more what they do. And, and I realized it's such a craft on its own. And like it would be naive for me to to think that I can do yeah. that. Like 
next to being a baker, you know? But is so. it the ultimate ambition that's still somewhere in the back of your mind, still still awake? Or have you closed it off sort of like, okay, I'm bread first, baking first? Well, it's definitely bread, but I mean, that will always be a part of it. Like even if it's just in that connection with the, the farm and... Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, I hope some someday to have a little side project right. somewhere <laughs> okay. in the countryside, for yeah, sure. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great. That's definitely, uh, yeah. Of course. Uh, yeah. I fully understand it. <laughs> Alicia, you pointed midway through that conversation, you pointed yeah. at that bread. Did I look? Yeah. Should we talk a little bit about that bread? Like, Elena and Alicia have brought some bread for it. Yeah. So should we, like... Do you want to do a little tasting, like, with the yeah, We yeah, can yeah, try, yeah. why not? Like, <laughs> how do we do this? Uh, so yeah, you. Maybe I'll apologize to the apologize to the listeners that you can't see or taste this <laughs> yeah. lovely bread. But if you're in Amsterdam, please check them out. That's beautiful. Looks brown. <laughs> <laughs> it is brown. It's compact. It's compact. Uh, a bit hazy. Yeah. yeah, go on. But that's uh, interesting how you say it's compact because uh, it's definitely a, very different to a lot of the other breads we make. Yeah. But. Uh, I think therefore uh, pass it around the table. Yeah, it's dense, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's super dense. And uh, one of the reasons, like for so, it's grown. The, the grain is grown by a friend of mine. She has a farm in the in the polder in uh, Holland, and uh, she grows actually five. So she grows five different uh, older wheat varieties together, and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sharing some bread here <laughs> we're break, we're breaking bread yes yeah. <laughs> a shine of friendship mm-hmm. so so because they are grown together uh they kind of support each other so mm. what happens for example if one gets sick the other ones will still be fine so it's for for production is quite nice because they can balance each other out which is also quite important for example in the case of climate change because yeah. it will be much more resilient so this is quite interesting what she does, but also she uses it, uh, the, gr- the wheat as a resting crop. So for example, she will go grow pumpkins and then she will grow the weeds and it will give the land some peace actually. Right. Wow. So it's really interesting, but it also means she doesn't it's fertilize crazy. it, whereas usually the grains are fertilized a lot. Mm-hmm. So this is also why it's quite a dense spread because it doesn't have so much of the gluten, uh, like the protein content. All right. Yeah, other yeah. So... It's interesting because for some people they prefer the airy bread, but I always we really like to make this kind of bread at the bakery because it's it may be dense, but like for example, if you smell it or taste it, I mean there's so much you really can taste the grain. I feel and smell the grain like yeah. it's really yeah, sweet sure. and like yeah. spicy. Or actually, let's see what you smell and no, taste. I really taste <laughs> like a grain earthy flavor to it. Yeah, it's really good. Um, like what would what would you say would be a perfect com- combination with this? Like, like a, in a sandwich or what would you put on top of it? Or would you just eat it on its own? I don't know. Yeah, it's really nice with butter and cheese. Yeah. But also it stands up really well to like, to spicier gravies. So if you oh, yeah. are, if you really want to like mop up a gravy with this, it's really nice because the flavor actually can stand up to, to uh, also a strong flavored curry. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, I can see yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, the crust is quite uh, peppery, I would say. It's good. That's it's interesting no? how, how much spicy yeah, yeah. tones there are. In yeah, it. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's fully grain, you would say. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's only, yeah, definitely. Cool. And yeah. you will notice if you have, uh, because you can also make, uh, 
I can also make you a bread with another whole grain wheat, but uh, just one variety and like a more modern, but it will definitely not, not have this complexity of taste. So for me, that's like super interesting. I must confess that I've never made bread, so I don't want to sound like a, an amateur here or I never made it successfully. But I know that this, uh, the idea of the starter culture is very, very important. What is it about your starter culture that's so important and how important is it? Okay, so a starter culture is, is critical in sourdough, right? And so for us, actually, at the bakery, it's really important that we take really good care of the starter that we have because that's ultimately going to affect the flavor and the structure of all the bread that we make. When you, when you talk about sourdough, actually, quite often, the whole process from the time that you have an active starter to the time that you actually get a, a baked loaf of bread, it can be um, quite often about 48 hours. So there's a lot of time that's going, a, a lot of time and effort that's going into baking that bread. And if you have a really healthy starter, you will have really good bread at the end of it. Okay. Um, and I know now in COVID times, like a lot of people are trying to make their starters at home. Um, so there's a lot of chatter online right now about making your own starter and getting your own sourdough loaf going and all of that. And it's really... For us as bakers, I think it's really interesting to see. Yeah. And it's really nice because we do want a lot of people to bake. But I think somewhere in all of that, it does get lost that baking is also a skill. And it requires regular practice in order to be able to hone that your skill till you have, you know, really a lot of consistency in the bread that you're baking. For sure. Yeah, well said. Like, I think mm -hmm. also alongside that coupled with the ingredients as well, it's, it's not like these people at home baking are going to take over the world just yet. There's still uh, you guys to support the system. I'm not sure if I read this somewhere or uh, somebody told me, um, but uh, there is this thing about the San Francisco sourdough culture, right? That it's that is the, 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 the mother of all sourdough cultures or that's the perfect climate to to keep these sourdoughs alive. And I had to think of that, and I'm curious what you guys think of it, because uh, in in Belgium, you have this beer style where they use spontaneous fermentation, mm -hmm. and they say, yeah, the, we can only do it here. Or some people believe, or the brewers that are using that, they're really yeah. proud of it, and it's a really regional, pro regional product. But there are some others that say, yeah, come on, we know what's in there. We can do this also in the US, or we can do it in Japan or Australia, wherever, because uh, maybe the yeah, the climate plays a role in it, but we can also do it on the other side of the globe because we have an idea what's in there or what is uh, responsible for these certain aspects of the flavor. Mm -hmm. um, do you have an opinion about it? Do you th we also agree that San Francisco is the place for sourdough or can you do it anywhere? Because if you put some flour in a pot with water, it will start to ferment at some point. Or, yeah, and rye flour probably a bit easier. And Well, the way I see it is that definitely, like, this, the environment and the flour are very influential to your culture. So, right. like, that's also why it's called a culture, right? Like, I mean, mm -hmm. it's, like, mm -hmm. also about a lot of things. And, um, like, for example, people will tell you, I have this 100-year-old starter from somewhere. But as far as I understand it, it, it turns out that it really adapts to where you are and what flour you feed it with. So I would say definitely it will be different if you make it the beer there in Belgium or somewhere else. Right. Uh, 
I think it's the same with a lot of products, like right there. So yeah. I think cheeses that were used to make like in wooden things and then are made in like stainless steel and it's it's just changing. And I think, uh, yeah, it's the same with. Yeah, but then do you feel that this San Francisco culture is sort of do has been characteristics that are I, I think it's uh, better or more uh, like this or that compared well, I to. I think that one strain turns out to be in a lot of like cultures that a lot of people use because it's just uh, uh, quite something that thrives in a lot of uh, so you will usually find it in your starter if okay. you research it yeah but there will definitely be also a lot of other things in there because there's like like a thousand varieties of microbes you know so yeah. so it definitely will be different and I've also experienced it like the starter I would take from Belgium and I would take it here and like make my bread here. And it's it's just a different bread. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. It develops yeah, it's just with, uh, yeah. with the food it, it gets. It just adapts yeah. to... Yeah. Do you agree? Absolutely. Because it'll, it will change with based on, like you said, the food you're giving it, but also the environment that it's in. So it's quite sensitive to, to the environment. So things like temperature, the air that it's... You know, the air that's circulating around, um, all of those make a difference. For instance, if I were to take the starter from the bakery and take it home and start to feed it at home, I would in a couple of weeks notice that fundamentally it would have different characteristics, mm. even though it's the same starter. Yeah. And so, you're also in Amsterdam. Yeah. Yeah. But that other environment yeah, but just because already. It's, it's yeah. my kitchen versus the, versus the bakery kitchen. Yeah. Just that would make that would make a difference yeah. to, to the starter. Okay. And is, is the last question about this, but is there <laughs> then the sort of an ultimate sourdough flavor or bread that you found somewhere in the world and you're like, this is it, this is it for me? Because I sort of look up to Lambic, you know, the spontaneous beer from Belgium. Yeah. I sort of have, oh, if, if we ever could do something along those lines, I would be so happy. What is, what is it that makes you... Now, certain, for me in Lambic, it's, that is about... Um, a really simple beer that has so much complexity. Yeah. So it's a 5% beer. Yeah. It's dry, but still it has so much complexity. And that's something, yeah. And not every Lambic is, I have the same experience, you know, mm -hmm. Lambics also differ one from the other, from yeah. different makers, but also different uh, batches, different bottling runs. Um, but sometimes it can be exactly what beer could be should yeah. be in my opinion you know and and mostly because of the the simple character but also the complexity that it has yeah. for it, a re for a relatively simple beer or, or not 10 percent abv and with a lot of this or that yeah but, but will it be always like for, for example one maker will always have that or it will be a batch of that maker who which is the amazing most yeah no it's it's not just one brewer that i yeah. always some are more uh, to my preference than others. Yeah. But I've also had lesser examples exactly. from every everyone. Well, I think it's the same with bread. Like sometimes like everything seems to work together and then it seems to be like really the bread as you want it. Yeah. And yeah, most of the time it's not, you know, and <laughs> I mean, it's still nice, yeah. but sometimes it's like really, yeah. really, really like, yeah, how you want it. And okay. Uh, and it depends uh, on enough. a lot of things. And it's also what makes it nice and interesting to work with it. And it also what makes it a craft, right? That's, yeah. yeah. It's not uh, every time exactly the same. Exactly, it's, yeah. Uh, it's always different. A human touch and yeah. uh, climate, environmental. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. 
and of course yeah i mean it's about balance and it's about fermentation and it's about yeah a lot of things and obviously there's like breads you have tasted in bakeries like for example there's this german bakery i really love and their rye breads for me is just like amazing and yeah but i mean there's also really nice wheat breads that i can really you know mm -hmm. enjoy yeah okay Sure. What, I, what I find uh, quite interesting what, when we were talking about the environment, so it reminded me of one of the previous shows we had a few weeks. We had uh, Matthias Terpstra from uh, Naval Artisan mm -hmm. Nails in Nijmegen. Yeah. And he was saying, and they use all uh, produce from Helderland, from, from the province oh, that, nice. where they're located. And he was talking about if he was to make a beer solely, uh, if he was to make a beer using the ingredients that he uses and then sent the, the recipe to Sander and he was to make exactly mm -hmm. the same beer using exactly the same process, but his ingredients local to him or whatever Oedipus uses in terms yeah. of ingredients, it would be the same beer, but completely different flavors. Exactly. So I think that's maybe, maybe more so along the lines of what we were talking about. Definitely. Cool. All right. Well, um, talking about this bread, how, do you find the right balance serving bread, bread in your bakery in between something that's artisanal and something that can be commercially bought? Because, I don't know, it's beautiful and delicious bread, but maybe it's not a, a, the bread that everyone would buy at the supermarket in order to have a sandwich at lunchtime, you know? Well, we also have a variety in bread, obviously. So we have some dark, some really more dense and we have also a lot more really lighter bread so in that sense we try to have variety but obviously it's always within a certain range that we believe in yeah and um yeah so you have to obviously think about what people want but fortunately like we can do what we want and find enough people who like it so yeah for sure in that sense i mean sell out every week <laughs> i was there once on a saturday and uh, there was a sign on the door sold <laughs> oh, out sorry yeah. <laughs> sorry <laughs> that's why we have online ordering yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> can you guys run me through like what a day in the life of a baker would be what does a normal day look like for you guys in the bakery well you were working today so up to you <laughs> <laughs> well a normal day starts quite early right um so at the bakery here we usually start at around six uh, on most days, except for uh, Saturday when Elena actually starts at four, sometimes even earlier. Yeah, so the and the mornings are, are really about um, sort of working with a fairly quick pace, but also in a rhythm because there's a number of tasks that take place that have to kind of go hand in hand. So one of the first things that we do every morning really is feed the starter because obviously that's core to, to um, the loaves that we're going to be mixing through the rest of the day. So we mix the starter uh, and then we get some of the ovens loaded with the bread that's been mixed the previous day. Um, and then it starts with actually the mixing of the dough for the day. Um, and well, from there on, it kind of, so these three tasks, I mean, the starter is mixed and then you kind of like let it sit until it's ready to be added into the dough. But the baking and the mixing of the dough then continues sort of simultaneously for the rest of the morning. Um, and then we usually have, so if one of us starts at six, then the other will, will come in probably at around nine. And then we kind of get into prepping for stuff for the next day. So whether that, that could be like the chopping of, or prepping of vegetables. It could also be preparation of pastry items that we have on our counter. 
uh, and then usually around noon is when we start shaping the bread. Um, so the process we follow really is that we mix the dough on a given day to be baked the following day. Mm-hmm. So once the bread is shaped, it then goes into the fridge to rest overnight and it's only baked the following morning. Mm-hmm. And once the bread is put into the fridge, actually the key, well, the key part of the day is kind of done. And then again, we start winding down. So then a lot of it comes down to uh, cleaning up, prep for the following day, getting the starter again fed in the evening, which is one of the last tasks we do before we close up for the day. So the days are long. Yeah, it sounds um, it. <laughs> intense, but really super interesting because I think no day is exactly like another. Yeah. Um, the nature of what we do really is that we are we are always responding to the dough, uh, and so every day is different, and yeah, every day is interesting, and we are always trying to keep getting better at what we do. What do you mean by responding to the dough? Would would the dough tell yeah. you what bread to make? <laughs> the dough will tell you when it's ready yeah, to be okay. made into yeah, bread. Yeah, 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 so yeah, I think that's yeah. one of the first lessons. Yeah, I was not the, okay. The dough is looking like this or smelling like that. Yeah. We have to make a rye bread now, or we have to make a wheat. Does it work? No. Huh? No, 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 not really. No. no, but it's like it. It the dough determines um, at what stage, right? Um, yeah, yeah. You handle it in what way? Yeah. Yeah. How sure. is that with with beer making? Isn't does do you have similar like? Oh, now it's ready and it's not always the same or. There are multiple ways of beer making, but I think there are for, in our brewery there are two production lines. Uh, I can say that one is the fast way, or where we pitch a single culture of yeast into a brew that we made mm-hmm. on a day. So a day in a brewery is like you make a brew, you add yeast, and then it starts fermenting. Fermenting takes uh, a couple of days, and then the beer conditions for a couple of weeks, and then after a month or so you can package it. Um, there's also so that's of course yeast in the end makes beer for us uh, we uh, make sure that the environments are preferable or that yeast can do what it needs to do yeah. produce alcohol CO2 the right flavor mm-hmm. and aroma compounds yeah. uh, and we have a tasty beer at the end of the day end of the month um, there's an so yeah yeast determines actually also what uh, uh, how we do it but this is a fairly set and a fair a pretty controlled process uh, there's another production line where we use more wild yeast and bacteria, uh, yeah. also often in in uh, oak barrels uh, that are semi-porous, you know, air can yeah. and can go out. There's really like a microclimate on itself, every barrel. And that really the barrel and the culture in the barrel tells me if it's ready yeah. or a brewer, you know, if we sample it, like, oh shit, this yeah. is really good. And maybe with a bit of that and then we can... Uh, think of a blend and uh, a beer that we can make from that barrel or yeah. that set of barrels. Or uh, we can also add the same cultures of wild yeast and bacteria into a stainless steel tank and then also basically have to sit and wait and mm. uh, until it tells us it's uh, yeah. it's ready for processing for, for the next step. So, yeah, for the, 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 the clean line, uh, the, the quick line, it's a it's bit more controlled and yeah. uh, it's a sort of more standardized process. Uh, whereas where the the wild yeast and bacteria, yeah. which is I think more similar to to what you guys are doing with a sourdough exactly, culture, yeah. um, then the yeah it's yeah. more they they uh, determining the rhythm. Yeah, so obviously there's also bakers working with like uh, commercial yeast, but yeah. we choose only to work with the sourdough culture, and it's definitely comparable to the second process. Yeah, so, so we just look and see and 
think, oh, no, it's good. And so yeah. It's, yeah, it's actually quite similar. Uh-huh. Mm. Grain, yeah. microorganisms, water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys have salt, maybe. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah sometimes we add that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're about halfway through our conversation with Alina and Alicia, so let's take a quick break to give Rob Alpenar a call to find out what's in his fridge. Rob is a brewer, bar owner, teacher, and also DJ, and I also rang him just before an online tasting he was going to do, so I expected him to have quite some interesting beers in his fridge. So, let's give him a call. Hey, it's Danny from Radio Oedipus. Hey. How are you doing, man? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I'm good. Sorry, I've, uh, I may respond a bit, but I'm uh, in my head, I'm already in a digital tasting I'm doing this evening. evening so. Oh, cool, cool. Yes. Well, yes, I'm good. Good, good. Well, before you get into your uh, digital tasting, would you mind telling me what's in your fridge? <laughs> um, uh, first question, my food fridge or my beer fridge? Uh, please, in the beer fridge, please. <laughs> yeah, well, it's uh, it, I, I, I'm, I'm a lucky man who has a separate beer fridge. Yeah, this um, is actually which, quite common for the people I've been ringing. So, uh, but that's a really good sign. So, let's have a look in it. Yeah. So, uh, well, basically, it, it all started out fine with a, a, a varied selection of everything. Uh, but you know, I've been spending some time at home. So uh, there's a point when all you're left with is strong and <laughs> heavy beers. <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, there's just uh, there's uh, one thing that I'm uh, I'm happy about though is that uh, I well not too happy because I just released a beer just before the lockdown. Cool. So uh, which is more a spring based four percent ale with ginger. Oh nice. Uh, so that's so so I have enough of that so I can at least put that in the fridge and as my regular drinker to uh you know get re you know have something to drink without falling over oh nice, uh, nice yeah. and uh but i'm what i'm really looking forward for it too because I, I put some beers in the fridge is uh, is uh, two different things uh i have a few beers from um uh amateur beer brewers who dropped them off and want me to try and taste them so i'm looking forward to those so it's nice to try new things cool and finally i got my hands on a yopa eat to sleep Beat repeat, right. which is a uh, imperial peated stout. Nice, Yopen being the yeah. one of the local breweries for you in Harlem. Yes, of course. Nice, yeah. but it's it, it's weird how you because uh, you, you have a bar in Harlem, so I I won't have everything from them on stock. And then since I I was never uh, a regular patron of a beer bar, then you know I don't get all their specials. So it's nice to get my hands on uh, some of those now and have to try them. Of course, of course, of course. Nice. And do you find that like you drink a lot of uh, a lot of Yopen or even Alcha beers because they're your local breweries? Uh, I do try to. 
but you know, it's it, it, for me, it's uh, it's uh, local uh, brewers in general. So I I, I like spend the range to uh, say Amsterdam or yeah, like uh, Utrecht, yeah. you know. Yeah, of course. Yeah. All right. So, um, what brew? What beers are you going to be uh, drinking in the beer tasting tonight? Well, uh, uh, six of them. Uh, so uh, the rundown quickly is the the, the Sringa Vera, which is my ginger uh, ale. It's in there, of course. Uh, an Echens Rock North IPA, the Valhalla Ares, uh, nice. American Amber. Yeah. Uh, Muffel Doctor Hop Mosaic. Um, what is next? Oh yes, the Fontaine Rhodesian uh, barley wine. Oh, nice. And and we ended off with a Yopa, which is what I think one of the better beers I had last year. Is their Wheat Weet Mag Het Zeggen, their wheat wine, 11%, 100% wheat wine, which is, you know, one of those things that only they can make because of their fantastic filter. And uh, being barrel aged as oh. well. So this one is a Montbalziac uh, wine barrel aged. Oh, cool. Well, I must confess, I've not actually drank that much of Yopen, and I didn't actually know that that was maybe what they were known for. Um, is that what, what a lot of people drink of theirs because of the, their filter? Well, it's, it, it, yeah, because they uh, they uh, they have a, a very expensive filter, apparently, and they can make 100% rye and 100% wheat beers, which is quite difficult in filtering normally if you have a regular brewery. Uh, and it, it just gives a, a different flavor just having the wheat there. So it's a very, uh, well, it's, uh, with rye, it's the same thing. It's, the, the beer gets very thick and has that wheat character, definitely. Cool. All right. Nice. And so is there any beer that you have in your fridge that you are saving for a special occasion or is gathering a bit of dust uh, or... <laughs> Well, they're, they're, they're not actually in the fridge. I have a few which I uh, keep at separate places. Yeah, I have uh, some uh, very old versions of the Vestlater, which I I think I have them from sell-by date, so 2006 till 2014 or something. Right, so that's nice. going to be an interesting tasting at one point. Nice. Uh, you know, and all that thing. And I, I, and I just, you know, because uh, quarantine also means that you're cleaning the house. <laughs> so uh, I come across a lot of, uh, uh, had a, still had a Gouda Carolus uh, whiskey infused, but also an Alvin Pedoximines, which I think is going to be awesome. But, you know. Nice. All right, man. Yeah. Cool. Over the years you collect and over the years you, well, I'm glad I don't drink that much, but, you know, still, you yeah, need to drink sure. a little bit more maybe. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we all have those beers that we're saving for a rainy day. I think because yeah. of the current times, sometimes those rainy days have become a bit closer than they have been uh, in recent times. But yeah, we all have those beers we're saving for the right occasion. Yeah. For sure, man. Yeah, well, it, let's say the most of these are the larger bottles. So yes, I would definitely save them to share them with friends. Yeah, of course. And it's all the better to be shared with, isn't it? So, is there anything else so in your fridge you can talk about? Yeah, or can't we? Is there anything else in your fridge you would like to talk about? Uh, well, you know, uh, pilsners now and again because that's your go-to. Even if you have a specialty beer bar, sometimes you just want a nice pilsner. So, I, I try and get my openers in there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and their, and their pilsner is delicious. It's great. Especially, you know, sometimes uh, the warm days like this is nothing more refreshing than a good lager. Yeah, no, no, I will support you on that one. I, uh, I think there's, there's, oh, and this is quite a common thing that we've had people saying as well. 
even people that seem to know their beer, they have a lot of uh, they have a lot of good pilsners in there. All right, all right, Rob. Well, uh, thanks for chatting to me, and uh, enjoy your tasting this evening. Well, thank you very much, and I wish you a pleasant uh, radio show. <laughs> all right, cheers, man. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. All right, thanks to Rob. Some really good beers there. If you want to be on the show and talk about what's in your fridge, send me a message, radio at audipus.com. I also want to hear any feedback or any questions, so send me a message there. But right now, let's continue our talk with Sander, Elena, and Alicia. So here we go. So I... Um read something that was quite funny uh, in that I found that the smell of fresh bread uh, has been tested to make people, to put people in a happier mood, in a good mood. Yes. Do you find that? Do you find that working in a bakery, it makes you, puts you in a good mood? Yes. So, so the interesting thing is, I think that while we are in the bakery, you quite often don't register yeah okay but for instance on the mornings that i'm coming in later yeah i can smell the bread that elena's baking across the park so when i <laughs> enter another park i actually smell the bread and it automatically just makes me very very happy so oh that's great <laughs> but do you find that with the customers as well do they come in and they responding are they in a happier mood i think most of our customers are always happy when they come into the bakery. yeah right <laughs> nice <laughs> So, a uh, question to each each of you separately. When did you first taste really good bread? Is there a memory that you can associate with? Because we often think about smell and memory as well, right? And we can always remember that. I don't know, you guys that are so fascinated by bread, is there a time that you remember when you first had good bread? Well, for definitely that the, the experience in France was definitely for me a very like, conscious memory that I yeah. had that. But like even like before, I, I, I worked in Argentina for a while and then... We would used to make our own bread like it was a regular yeasted bread, but we would like bake it in a wood fired oven. And oh. I mean, I think a, a, any bread you make yourself and like comes out of the oven. I mean, it's always definitely yeah an amazing experience. But was it something you came to in later life then rather than like a childhood thing? Would your parents make bread, your mom or your dad? No, no, they didn't. No, uh, no. no I mean, we had like bread from the local bakery, but... I don't know. Yeah, it's not. It was more a thing in later life then. Yeah, definitely. Oh, cool. Yeah. And when you travel, do you look for local bakeries? Yeah, of course. Of course, right? I do the same with breweries. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, even the last few years, all my travels have been like going to bakeries. So uh, it's been more like. And find some other sites around. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe there's some nature too. That sounds familiar. It's like. yeah, holidays have been uh, mainly bakery visits uh, in the last few years, for sure. Anything that sticks, any like uh, key places and particular styles of bread that yeah, well, stick out to you? Yeah. yeah, definitely the the bakery I told you about in Germany. It's like yeah, uh, sure. in a tiny village. Like Where? There's, uh, in Dachsbach, it's in uh, like Franken. Okay. So it's uh, they also have a really big beer culture there. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, yeah, like yeah, I think yeah. every every village has like this uh, building cellar in the in the village where everyone just like. Yeah, Franconia is. Uh, oof. Yeah, it's really. Mark is actually right now uh, yeah. on one of oh. our colleagues uh, checking out the bottling line, but he was checked in at uh, Schlenkerla this afternoon. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm kind of jealous. 
Well, but there they really have a really a big rye rye culture, yeah. so they have yeah. a lot of really heavy rye breads, and I, I think they're really amazing. And this specific bakery is just the most amazing baker, and uh, yeah, they the products they make are are unbelievable. So I've already been there three times. So wow. yeah, it's really definitely my uh, my maybe my favorite bakery place in the world. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And he also really? visited us in the bakery, so it was really uh, quite nice. Oh, really? This one bit. And what did he think of your bread? Uh, I don't know. You have he to ask it. him. <laughs> yeah. He liked it. Oh, great. And you, Alicia, what was it, what's your kind of first memories and associations with good bread? So I don't think I have a specific memory, but um, I do remember. Um, so so the, the city in India that my mom comes from, they have also a very strong bread culture. And it's still possible to go to the local baker and sort of pick up these warm buns uh, in the evening. So over there, the bakers actually bake twice a day. They bake once in the morning and then once in the evening. So it would be quite normal to kind of on your way back home from work or if you've gone out, you kind of stop at the local baker and pick up uh, these little buns uh, that they sell. Mm-hmm. And um, Where is it in India? In Goa. Oh, yeah. And so for me, that's actually a really key memory because uh, I know that like we would never wait until we got back home to eat that bread like you know we'd basically tear into that like warm bun on our way back as we walked home yeah. and yeah. just like the best thing you eat it world. plain you eat it plain or yeah yeah we would just eat it plain like we yeah. don't even wait to get back yeah, home yeah, and yeah, put yeah. butter in it yeah. just like on our way back home um so yeah so it's just i, I think i mean if you ask me now it may not be the best tasting bread in the world but just the fact that it's so closely tied into a childhood memory makes it something that's really quite special right definitely so. that nostalgia trip yeah, yeah. now uh, do you well, i mean with you sander is there what about bread do you remember tasting good bread growing up or did you have good bread in the house when you were growing up not so much not no. so much i remember but i i think relates a bit to what what you guys said that fresh bread that has this scent that i can remember remember you know and i i also had it that sometimes i was at the bakery just uh, a couple hundred meters from where i lived and they gave me just a slice of fresh baked bread and it's so aromatic you know and coming home i just ate it you know just plain also just oh fucking casino bit or something you know like the most boring (laughs) type of bread that you can imagine but plain and i remember eating a few slices you know Mm um yeah so it's also a bit of a childhood memory but also i think the power of the the fresh baked and the the yeah the baked aroma you know and then this is like way more intense but the crust is so yeah, that's that, you know, and maybe also I had to think the other day also about um, I got some coffee and the beans, they smell so good. And mm-hmm. often that aroma that if you have a, a freshly roasted set of beans yeah. in a bag or at, at uh, I've once been at a coffee roaster also, that aroma you can never or almost never get from a cup of coffee, you know, yeah. that's no, so, no, yeah. so good, you know, and then that uh, maybe that's also a bit with baking that's for especially that casino white you yeah, know that yeah. that uh, it uh, when it's fresh from the oven it smells excellent but then you eat it and uh, <laughs> now it's gone yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah i don't know and 
it's just uh, yeah, a bit uh, burnt, uh, roasted, uh, toasty flavor. That's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, mm -hmm. I love it. I want to ask you guys, what role do you think flavor plays in your life in general? I know you guys care a lot about the produce that goes into your bread. So what role does flavor play in your life? Yeah, definitely one of the most important things. In, in We've talked a lot about flavor, so yeah, it mean, becomes obvious, right? I mean, it's so it's so obvious, such an important thing that I cannot even really say anything about it because it's yeah. so so important, no? Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. And you, Alicia? Yeah, I would say it's it's quite critical, actually. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons that both of us, for both of us, that we we choose, I think we chose to do sourdough in a way, mm -hmm. is the fact that the the long fermentation period that goes into making that bread lends so much more flavor to bread than if you were to make it just with yeast. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think in the bakery as well, like a lot of the grains and and uh, the ingredients that Alina has chosen over time has always been kind of also driven by the flavor. Mm -hmm. So many of the breads that she's developed have been based on the fact that the grains that that are used in the bakery have really good flavor. And so the breads that are made with those grains are made with the intention of bringing out the best flavor possible. Mm -hmm. So I would say, yeah, it drives pretty much everything that that, uh, that you do. That we do yeah. Cool. One thing I wanted to ask, uh, you guys do uh, bread making workshops from time to time at the bakery, or at least I think you did. Mm -hmm. Maybe you yeah. can talk a little bit about that. How, yeah. how What are they like? Um, so the reason actually we started doing the, the workshops was that um, we really like the idea of, first of all, sharing knowledge. And like I discussed earlier as well, uh, like we really believe that uh, baking bread is a skill and it's a skill that you can learn. Um, so we use the workshops as a way of, well, not only teaching uh, our students how to make a loaf of bread, but I think we use it also as a platform to drive many of, of our beliefs. So um, we kind of focus on fermentation, but during over the course of the workshop. OK, so just to give you an idea of how the workshop is sort of laid out. Uh, we cover all the steps in the bread making process, uh, not necessarily chronologically because that's a bit difficult. But if you came to one of our workshops, you would actually learn how to make a starter, cool. uh, how to refresh a starter if you have an active one uh, with you. Um, you learn how to mix your dough, shape your dough and bake your bread. Mm -hmm. So that forms kind of the backbone of what our workshop is. Uh, but we talk a lot about uh, the things that are important to us. So, 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 for instance, we talk a lot about the kind of grain and flour that we use. Um, you'd also get an introduction to, to fresh milling because we do try and use quite a lot of fresh milled flour in the bakery. Um, we talk about fermentation, not necessarily only with bread uh, baking in mind, but we also, since since we do brew our own kombucha at the bakery actually, and we make water kefir, and we're always kind of um, experimenting with different ways of fermentation, so we try and introduce that as well to, to the students who are there. We are very uh, passionate about no waste, mm -hmm. so one of the things we cover in the workshop as well is what to do if you have uh, leftover bread, what to do with the excess starter that you're going to be generating from feeding your starter. What do you do with it? Oh, so many things. Yeah, pan <laughs> apart from pancakes. Well, so well, uh, I make 
a kind of uh, Indian crepe, so the dosa. Oh yeah, oh yeah. really? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I had so I, m- I baked some like a pancake, and it, w- it really remind me of a paratha also. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. so you you can also use it to make like <laughs> to make flatbreads yeah, uh, yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we have like those are also yeah, like to get it thinner. I never get it really that thin. But well, you have She's to make it nice do and bubbly. Workshop soon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. how to make yeah. dosa? <laughs> really? Because with your extra sourdough starter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because dosa is uh, it's more of a lentil pancake. Am I right? It is. Yeah. But uh, actually, in certain parts of the country, you also have a wheat version of it. Ah, cool. So so yeah, so that's really the kind of uh, dosas we make with the with the starter excess. All right, awesome, cool. Um, so yeah, I think I think that more or less kind of just to give you an idea of what the workshop is about. Yeah, well, cool. I would say that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, I have to uh, keep an eye out. Well, maybe I have to go down, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm already. I'm in. You've got two uh, people signed up yeah. already. <laughs> Do you guys work, enjoy working together? I think that's obvious. You guys have quite the re- relationship together. Uh, so, do you guys enjoy working with each other? Yeah, definitely. Very much. Yeah. yeah, good. And good. is it is it just you two now doing most of the production, or there's? So in the bakery, uh, up till like two weeks ago, it was mainly the two of us, and then now just uh, Laura joined us, and we usually have one stagiaire as well. Okay. And then uh, we have also two uh, women working in the in the shop. Shop. Yeah. Yeah, but they obviously help out in the bakery where it's needed as well. Cool. Now, what are you guys hoping to accomplish uh, now that the partnership's kind of formed? Any future goals? So definitely, well, we talked earlier about the, the place next door. So we really like, I mean, our community is very important to us. And we really hope to like develop that even more to a place where people like can learn about uh, everything from the producer uh, to the, the process of creating to and just be a place where people can meet each other and cool that's actually so yeah. maybe a move more towards a cafe then. yeah well not a cafe is in like a cafe but yeah definitely a place where people can meet like but and they can eat nice foods yeah so basically it's a cafe <laughs> <laughs> yeah what you're explaining is a cafe. <laughs> bit of beer coffee yeah. Yeah. well maybe we serve coffee <laughs> No, yeah, I mean, definitely it's about food and about meeting each other, but yeah. Awesome. Fireplace? Fireplace Uh, in the middle. Yeah, who knows? Here in Amsterdam North? Stay in in the North? Yeah, so definitely the Waddenweg is a really amazing place, so hoping to stay there for sure. And then that little little farm place in the countryside definitely is a future goal. So somewhere within the next 10 years. Yeah. But uh, uh, you guys can maybe tell us uh, yeah. how to accomplish it. Maybe there's some extra room uh, oh, at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much, guys. I've come to the end of the questions. It's been a real pleasure. I definitely yeah. have learned a lot about bread. And I think you guys are really inspirational the way you talk about bread. It's been really, really fascinating. So thank you very much. Um, but we're not at the end of the show. Oh, no. We still <laughs> we still have the infamous head to head quiz. Okay, I'll have so, to hear with that. So maybe we take a take <laughs> a, maybe uh, take a minute to assess yourself. Sander, uh, you're going to assist me in this in that you're going to mark the right answers. That sheet of paper that is turned over has got the answers on. So uh, this week we have a theme to the quiz, uh, and what the theme is 
is basically, I will say 10 obscure beer or bread styles. And you have to tell me whether it's, it's beer or if it's bread. Okay. okay? <laughs> you didn't see that one coming, no, did you? No. no, you didn't. Now, <laughs> I would, some may argue and don't tell previous guests because they may uh, be a bit frustrated that you, there's two people on your team. So... Maybe, I don't know, what do you think a fair way to do this is? I, I will only accept Divide your first... Divide the score by two. Uh... Divide the score by two. <laughs> <laughs> or or we can, maybe... We can uh, answer one each. I think, or, or maybe I'll, I'll only accept your first answer. That will be the way I'll do it. Okay? So you ready to go? Oh, no I hints. I won't... I, I helped Simon the other yeah, day. Yeah, I mean, uh, we need to take into, con <laughs> take into consideration my dodgy uh, pronunciations. So... Hmm. Okay. Well, let's see. Well, let's see how we go. Okay. So yeah, let's see first how it goes. Yeah. Okay. We can uh, argue <laughs> about. We don't this. even need to. Uh, it's like One. <laughs> zero, out, zero out of ten. <laughs> okay. Uh, question number one. Bazin. Is it a bread or is it a beer? Beer. Incorrect. It is a bread. It's a flatbread from Libya. Oh, okay. Bing. Beer. Incorrect. Oh, it wow. is a bread. It is a flatbread from China, wow. which is similar to a Mexican tortilla, apparently, only thicker. Okay. Really showing how much you know about bread, guys. I've <laughs> <laughs> done this at the beginning before we like. Okay, question number three. Faro. Is it a bread or is it a beer? It's a grain. It's a grain. It's a grain. Mm -hmm. But that's, I'll let you have another go because that's. So we get three points now. No, because grain, <laughs> grain is neither bread nor beer, so. Present in both. Yeah, so let's say both. Ah, that's not what I've got written down. It is a beer. It is. Maybe you know it. Do you know a little? Are you familiar with uh, Faro? Faro? Yeah, of course. We yeah? spoke about Lambic before, and actually Faro is a sweetened Lambic. Okay, all right, Also guys. a grain, but uh, yeah, yeah. Trick question. Okay. Still at uh, zero. Still at zero. <laughs> I need to step it up. This is question number four. Sati. Is it a bread or is it a beer? Bread. No, that is a beer. It's a Finnish <laughs> ale made by... Uh, oh, we're terrible at this. Made by... I think it uses juniper twigs instead of hops. Are you, do you know? Are you familiar with this beer style yeah, as well? Yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, it's Finnish, great that he's yeah, here, yeah. here to help me out. Yeah, it's a Finnish ale. Apparently, in their climate, they don't can't grow hops, so it's a traditional... And I think in a mash done, so if you have the grains that are milled, you can filter them over uh, a bed of uh, uh, the twigs, indeed, of the juniper branch. Question number five, uh, chicha, is it a bread or is it a beer? It's a beer. It's I mean, a it's a beer. fermented drink, basically. Well done. Uh, it is a Peruvian beer, which is made when what they do is they chew on the grains and the spit helps to kind of ferment the, the sugars within it. Yeah, of corn. Of so corn. corn, yeah. yeah. Of maize, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Maize, yeah. yeah. Number six, we have a, a grazza. Is it a beer or is it a bread? What should we go with? Beer. <laughs> Correct, it is a beer. It's a smoky wheat ale which is made in Poland. Okay, question number seven. Balm brack. That's a bread. Oh, but wait, no. Balm is actually an output of a drink. Wait, no, but... Wait. <laughs> I'm going to have to rush you here, Alicia. It, bread. Correct, it is a bread. It's a sweet sandwich bread made from uh, made in Ireland. And like actually in some regions of England, you would call a, a bread roll a balm as well. Um, question number eight, bammy. Say that again. Bammy. Spelled B-A-M-M-Y. It sounds like a bosom. A breath? 
Correct, it is bread. It's a Jamaican flatbread made by yeah, Frank Cassava Root. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Apam. That's a bread. That is a bread, Easy. correct. Easy. It's an Indian Sri Lankan uh, thin, <laughs> thin pancake made from rice flour, which I've got written down. And question number 10, a koit. K-O-Y-T. K-K-O-Y-T. How would I, pr- how would I pronounce that? Koit. Koit? Yeah, Sounds correct. Yeah, okay. yeah, right. Nice. Bread. Oh, I think that's incorrect. It is a beer. It's a traditional Dutch ale, which oh, was very popular oh, uh, before the rise of Pilsner, I read. Is this correct, Sander? Yeah. There's Kuit's beer, and uh, that's basically a beer brewed with a lot of oats. Uh, yeah, uh, actually, it's a beer style that they tried to revive a couple of years ago in the Netherlands, to, like being this truly Dutch original historical beer style mm-hmm. that never really took off, to be Flavors honest. Flavors have just changed. We made like one, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, we made it really like a Pilsner. We used a bottom fermented yeast that we um, fermented a bit warmer, but. And a bit of dry hops, but all traditional hops, a bit like our Pilsner today. Nice. But then, yeah, a bit of a hybrid version of it. Yeah. yeah. That was tasty stuff. Yeah. Ah, nice. Curious. So how did the bakers do? Yeah, they started off horrible. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. started but horrible. Rough start. Yeah. Then they, but there they was a bit of a recovery, a <laughs> bit of a revival. Insane recovery, but then it ended a bit, uh, a bit I'll ignore the I'll ignore the cheating as well. Cheating? <laughs> 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 uh, five points. Five, five points. points. Well five done. Points. That's pretty good. Not bad. Not bad. To, not bad. to say you had a rocky start. <laughs> You're yeah. not on the bottom. Yeah. No. But yeah, it's a, it's a well done. So thanks for playing. That was really, really good. And, and we'll uh, place you below Linda. Linda has five points. This uh, two-person team. Yeah. 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 yeah that's, that's the fine. disadvantage. Yeah. 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 But yeah, not on the bottom. Not as bad as bottom. Second to last. <laughs> <laughs> We're still respectable. But still respect. Very respectable. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, thanks for playing. But and good quiz, good quiz. Yeah, yeah. yeah Did you yeah, like yeah, that yeah. one? To, to, to give <laughs> the baker such a hard time. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I'm actually, I'm I am, I do feel good about that. I feel good about that, that, that uh, I kind of beat the bakers. Yeah. <laughs> With Wikipedia. Yeah. All right, but yeah, but thanks for playing. And uh, just to finish off, thank you so much for joining us. It's been really yeah. good to have you on. Yeah. Um, so thank you very much. And Sander, thanks again for sitting with me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. And uh, see you all soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Ciao. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Radio Oedipus. And a special thanks to Elena and Alicia. If you're in Amsterdam, check out their bakery, Broad Bakerai X. Of course, thanks to Sander. Like I said at the beginning of the show, you can now find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most major platforms. You know the drill. Help spread the good word by liking and subscribing. The music on today's show is by Ola iMusic. I'm Danny Walker. Tune in next week for more explorations into the culture of beer. But for now, ciao.